I want to speak to you. I use this, this term a lot, uh, and um, it really struck me, and I wanted to use this as a title. The title of this sermon is uh, simply uh, two or three words, that's a lot. That's a lot. Turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? That's a lot. That's a lot. How many of you have a lot going on in your lives? Turn to that person. As I said uh, many times, I believe that names are prophetic and they indicate the destiny of a person's life. And so uh, many of you may not realize, and some of you already do, that the name Mary is a Greek name of the Hebrew name Miriam, and it means obstinate. The name Mary means resolved. It means persistent. Obstinate means to stand by. And so we find Mary as a woman who is standing by uh, the word that the Lord spoke to her. She gets this visitation by from an angel Gabriel and she's just minding her own business and suddenly she has this encounter with this angel Gabriel and the angel Gabriel says she's going to become pregnant uh, with this uh, supernatural baby or baby James version in Luke chapter 1 verse 35 m- most translations translate this as that holy child but the King James version calls uh, says that holy thing and we are all carriers of a holy thing that, that, that word and that word holy thing it means something sacred that's pure from human effort. In other words, there is something before you even born, while you were in your mother's womb, there was there is something of God that has been planted in you for you to accomplish something great in this earth. You are not a mistake. Okay? You are not a mistake. I don't care what kind of circumstances you were born in. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Okay. Now, uh, your birth was not a shock. What was going to (laughs) happen? He already has your destiny mocked out. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, before you, while you were in your mother's womb, God already knew you. This is interesting. He didn't say, I knew what you were going to do. I knew you. And that's exciting. That And, and so, because you were born with purpose, there is something sacred. The word sacred is in you that God wants to use to change the world. You need to understand that. I don't care what kind of grades you got in school. I don't care what neighborhood you came out of. I don't care what circumstances you were born under. God has a purpose for you. doesn't want human effort. What does that mean? In other words, what it simply means is that God's going to pull off something in you that it for. 
He will pull off something in you that people will look at you and say, I know you, you're not that smart. How did you accomplish that? And all God wants you to say is, it was God. Are you with me so far? So I think you need, I think I want to give you better appreciation of this woman, Mary. Uh, First of all, if you can look at this map. Now, now, now picture in your mind, uh, if, if, if there's anybody in this room from between the age of 12 and 14, okay, good, between the age of 12 and 14, okay. So, so I want you to understand that Mary was not some grown woman. She was between the ages of 12 and 14. Okay? You may be seated. Uh, so, so imagine you, you, Children between the age of 12 and 14, God comes, an angel comes up to you and says, I am trusting you with the hope, not of the city. I want you to carry the hope of the world. I am counting on you. You're 12 to 14 years old. Some of you parents are like, thank God I can't even trust my child to take out the trash. <laughs> Don't, don't clap. Don't, don't clap. I don't want you to get in trouble with your kids. Like, yeah, you preach it, preacher. Tell my child to duck it. <laughs> he's prophetic. See, he's prophetic. <laughs> the 14, this angel visits you and says, you're going to have God's child. And then... You know, the pregnancy takes place, you're growing, and the, the, and, and you're, you're starting to show, and you're kind of excited, but you're kind of nervous, because you're not having, like, your husband's baby, you're having, and God is entrusting you to raise his child. Everything's going well, and all of a sudden, eight and a half months go by, and Caesar decides to tax the known Western world. And he has this census that he takes, Caesar being uh, not so much a person, but a type. This census every 14 years where everybody in the entire world has to return back to the place where they were born so a census should be taken because this was the way the Romans did two things. First of all, it was only men, but, but this is the way the Romans did two things. Number one, this is the way they uh, basically drafted men into their army. And secondly, here you are, you're comfortably living in North Israel, uh, in Nazareth, up by the region Galilee, and now because your husband is from Bethlehem, you now have to travel 80 to 100 miles south, not on Amtrak, not in your van, on a donkey or a camel, and in Joseph's case, you are walking. It is a 80 to 100 mile journey. And so to get some perspective, imagine if somebody told you, how many women here have been pregnant? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. So uh, could you imagine you are eight and a half months pregnant and now you have to, from here, 
to Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, somebody said, Jesus. <laughs> and with every bump, you go, mm, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> A week and a half journey. Some of you complain when your plane is delayed for two hours. And I imagine why she's riding south. She's wondering why did I say yes to that angel? That, that's a lot for a 12, for a teenager. And some of you are saying, that's a lot for an adult. And yet, uh, to fulfill her of three things, there are three things that Mary received a lot of. Repeat after me, confirmations, conflict, and confidence. And for you to pull off what God has go, what God has already put in you, please trust me, God already has something sacred in you but many of you don't even know what you're carrying the thing that God put in you that you're carrying you would never look yourself in the mirror and say I'm nothing anymore a lot of confirmations a lot of conflict a lot of conflict confidence. So let's talk about confirmations. Because the beauty of God is that when he gives you, when he puts something in your sin, what he said. He, this word confirmations, it means uh, endorsement. It means evidence. It means verification. Okay, So when God puts something in you, he will verify, he will give you evidence. So if there's, there's, we have a, a number of students who go into Berkeley, and, and for some of them, God put in them the gift to sing. Are you hearing me? So when they're singing, you're like, oh my goodness, fantastic voice. But for some of you, there's evidence that you cannot sing. <laughs> If the cat starts, if the cat starts to meow, if the dog starts to howl and moves in another room where you're singing, that's evidence that that may not be your gift. Turn to your neighbor and say he's not talking about you, though. He's talking. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, he is. I heard you say. <laughs> Out of confirmations, the angel Gabriel visits her. Her. Her cousin or aunt, depending on what research say, uh, gets, you know, uh, is, is, is a confirmation. Uh, Elizabeth gets pregnant with John the Baptist, probably in her age. Of course, Joseph's attitude when he finds out, when she says to Joseph, hey, Joe, um, I got it. And Joseph says, I'm not sure about that, but then the next morning Joseph wakes up and says, God spoke me to me in a dream and told me that what you're telling me is the truth. Born, and these shepherds show up and say, Hallelujah, what a child you have, and, and you. We're, we're in a stable. How'd you know we were here? Well, 
a chorus of angels told me, told us you were here. See, I believe some of you have, hmm, I believe some of you have so many confirmations that you're God saying, well, God, I wasn't sure. God, a lot of confirmations. I remember when the Lord called me to, to, to preach. He said, you're going to be a minister. And I was 19 years old. And uh, I remember I was working at City Hall in the Revenue Department. And I was just sharing the gospel with this young lady. And she turns to me. She says, are you a priest? And I was like, well, no, not really. But, <laughs> but it was a confirmation. It was a confirmation. It talks about uh, Joseph, and it says in 105 verse 10 that God confirmed his covenant as a decree. Joseph has this dream at the age of 17 that the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow down to him. That's at the age of 17. It doesn't happen into, it doesn't happen, meaning that he becomes prime minister of Egypt. It doesn't happen until he is 30. 13 years later. What you need to understand is that God had, and this is the problem. See, this is a problem. You see this in many athletes. They, they're making millions of dollars, but they don't have the character to hold on to it and, 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 and to act properly with it. See, I like the way that John, uh, Dr. John Maxwell once said, he said, charisma, that is your gift and will get you into the door of opportunities. Many of us who are football uh, uh, fans, we've heard recently about uh, Josh Gordon and how sadly be so gifted and so talented that somebody will hire him again. Your gift will get you into the door of opportunity, but only your character will keep you in the room. And some of you are mad at God saying, God, why are you doing this? And God saying, because I'm about to open a huge door for you and I got to make sure you don't mess it up. So that's why he keeps messing with your bad temper. He messes with your impatience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For the last week, every time you drove to work, you hit every red light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every line you get in the stopping line, every hour you get in, it is, no, somebody in front of you either forgot their change, forgot that, no, you're always just turning your neighbor, see, he's talking about you, and you're, and you're shaking your leg. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, pretty long line until you stop shaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of you are like, how does this preacher know about my life? That's, uh, mm. And and so God is saying, I need you to be patient, and I'm going to make you patient. Someone, someone's going to invite you. Let me just look this way. Someone's going to invite you for you better show up at one. You show up at one, and the water's just boiling. Mm-hmm. 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 And you want to get an attitude and say, you know what? I'm going to go home and come back, but you live too far. Because God is trying to work patience in you. That's why God is giving you that crazy boss you have. Oh, it got quiet in here. <laughs> Drive you out of your mind. God is trying to build character in you. He said, God is saying, when you start... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Confirmations. Conflict. Ooh, Jesus. 
I was upset when I found out that the word conflict means encounter. <laughs> see, see, some of you, when we talk about encounters, you're hoping to see an angel come into your room and say, I have made thee a millionaire. It's an encounter. Struggle. Opposition. Joseph has this dream. Hey, all the sun, the moon, the stars are going to bow down. What he's basically saying is that mom and dad, you're going to bow down to me. All you 11 brothers, y'all going to bow down to me. And then next thing you know, he finds himself in a pit and he finds himself a slave. And the Bible says God sent him into slavery. Mm. And then it says in verse 9, the Lord tested Joseph's character with conflict. Ooh, my goodness. The thing that I've learned about God's test is that you can't cheat. You thought you were so loving and patient till you got married. You can just look straight ahead. You thought you were so sacrificed. The first night, the baby wakes up in the middle of the night and you I'll get the baby honey and you know oh you little cutie two o'clock in the morning that happens three nights in a row and you're sleep deprived and now you're like please 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 go to Please go to sleep. I'll pay for your whole college education if you're begging your child. You're, you're, you're anointing with oil. Sleep in the name of Jesus. You, you, know, you put Benadryl on your pinky and say, lick up, lick up. <laughs> ah, desperate measures, folks. Desperate measures. <laughs> Conflict. Many conflicts. Remember, uh, uh, there was a job opening. I, I was a junior accountant at Cambridge Hospital, and I remember the budget analyst position for the entire hospital. I'd be, I would be over 120 uh, budgets, and and no, I graduated from Bentley with an accounting degree, so I was. I was qualified for this job, and the way the city works. The way the city works, oh, they didn't give the position to me. They gave it to another person. Are you with me so far? And and, and I was a I was a, a football player at Matnon, and they have what they call the team manager. And if you're familiar with football or basketball, the team manager is like in basketball, he's like the guy who carries the basketballs and rolls them out. Or in football, he's the kind of guy who gets manager. Now, here I am. I'm a starting football player. And so, and so now fast forward, the team manager, it just so happened to work out that our lives still trapped and the team manager got the budget analyst position with no with no accounting degree are you with me uh, but we want you to train him yeah 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 i wish i looked that happy 
And the Lord was, he basically was like, okay, let me watch your attitude to see how you will train this man. Will you train him to make mistakes? My God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> but I trained him to my best of my ability and, 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 there was no anger. There was no, again, that was, it was a process. It was a process. And some of you, you got to trust the process. God is worth, I'm talking to somebody right now. I know that you came here for a nice Christmas uh, sermon about the three wise us, the process. Even when you're amongst crazy people, God has everything under his control. And once God dealt with my heart and I, all the anger and the jealousy and the envy and this ain't right after that got out of my spirit, God worked it out that one day that young man decided that he was going to have an argument with my boss's boss. Gone. And they came over to me and said, Brian, can we give you the job? See, God got Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. When you're ready to get promoted, God will promote you. But you have to deal with conflict in joy. In joy. In joy. I'm not saying you're going to be happy for the conflict. Ooh, I'm glad I got fired. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy means I, I am joyful. I am encouraged in the Lord irregardless of my circumstance. Meaning the scripture says in, 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 uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18, it says, in everything, not for everything, in everything give thanks. Because, so children, teenagers, can you give thanks? on Tuesday morning no matter what you receive for Christmas it's quiet in here and your your, we'll find out what your character is, is when you say either you say thank you mommy thank you daddy or, or this is it <laughs> just looking straight. tests come from two people oh my lord tests come from the devil Satan, whose name Satan, the name Satan means opponent. The name devil means liar. Tests will come from the devil. What's, what lie does the devil come tell? And this is John 8 verse 44. Uh, uh, tests come the, from the devil where he says things like, God doesn't care about you. You're the only one. Matthew chapter of Jesus. But tests also come from God. Some of you are blaming God, the devil. Oh, the devil's testing me. No, God is. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. God says, I, I, I put you through the wilderness, meaning the wilderness, the things where things are growing out of your control. I put you there so that you would know what's in your heart. God already to us what's in our heart. My mentor, Bishop Ezra Williams, must have said, God has made us teabag Christians. The hotter the water, the more our flavor will really come out. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's quiet in here. God will test you. Because see, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Some of you didn't know you had a bad temper until somebody pushed your button. I thought I was a very nice person until I started playing pickup basketball. All of a sudden you, you know, bad things start coming in your mind. When you, now let me throw this elbow in. And then you, you know, after the game's over, you're repenting like, I didn't know that was in me. And God said, that's why I put you in that pickup basketball game. So that you would dull. Some of you didn't realize how, how violent you are when you drive. A nice person. Oh, go cross. No problem at all. Until you get one of those. Have you, this person came is you get one of those pedestrians who who look at you. Can I get a witness? Like you better stop. And then they're shuffling like they're senior citizen. And you're like. And you rev up the car, and all of a sudden, you can't take it anymore. You roll. Can I get a witness? And then after you drive away, and you're still boiling, and then the devil will feed your thoughts. You should have just bumped him just a little. You should have revved up the car. But then this, this horrible thing that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness out there? And, and how many of you, see, I'm talking about me. This is therapy, so I'm on the couch right now. Yes. Well, they shouldn't have walked that way. They cut me up. That's why they gave them the, your number one sign. I actually meant to say peace, but I was upset. <laughs> you'll get that You'll get that when you watch the, the live stream. And, and, and also the Holy Spirit will, will convict you and say, you have a bad temper. No, I don't. If you think my temper's bad, you should see my friends. And God's like, no, 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 I'm talking about you. Our hearts. That's why you have to have conflict. Because you really don't know what's in your heart. That's why we have to have conflict. A lot of conflict because we really think we're nice people and we're not. Oh, it's quiet in here. My final point is that God will give you a lot of confirmations. God will put you in a lot of conflict. But this is what I love. God will also give you... I'm out. He's giving you confidence in yourself. I'm talking about this word confidence means trust, belief, positive, no doubt. In other words, God is basically saying no matter what you're going through, I have confidence in you. That's why I put this thing inside of you. Mary, I'm trusting the fact that you're not going to say no. Mary, I'm trusting the fact that you're going to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem because you don't know that the word of God is there. And God has us in situations because he knows that he can count on us to bring forth what he put in us. God is betting on you. Some of you are going through something right now because God is betting on you. Job chapter 1, God says to Satan, hey, check out my boy Job. And Satan's like, well, the only reason he's serving you is because you're blessing him. And got a conflict into his life. And trust me, he won't turn his back on me because I have confidence in him. And some of you right now, 
Some of you right now, you, you know, you tripped, you fell, and you're upset with yourself, but the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times. That means you got back up six times, and God is saying, she's not going to quit. He's not going to quit. I have confidence in them. That's why I put this inside of them. destiny and the Lord opened my eyes to this this year scared me really scared me that my whole life where I am now was determined by a 14 year old kid this is what's frightening I wouldn't be here if it that's what's frightening possibly this church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a 14 year old teenager what are you talking about in 1943 my dad was 14 years old and he's and the whole family used to go to uh, First Holiness Church, which is now Kingdom Empowerment Center, where Pastor Lorraine Thornhill, she pastors. My father, my grandfather was a deacon in that church, and my grandmother had a, no, she was a, a, a person of influence in that church. My dad, at the age of 12, with uh, Bishop Miller, of Pentecostal Tabernacle. My dad used to always be around him, looked at him as a mentor, and finally he says to my grandmother, I don't want to go to your church and this church anymore. I want to go to Pentecostal Tabernacle. And I'm saying to myself, especially back in those days, church up the street, Saying that to a West Indian parent, or a Nigerian parent, or a Haitian parent, or a Ghanaian parent, or an Italian parent, or any parent. I don't want to go to your church. I'm going up the street. Back then, when there was no social services. <laughs> you're not going to the church of the street. You're going to heaven. <laughs> uh, 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 Sister Jane, uh, Kennedy's mom. And what struck me is that, because I heard this story from my father, but uh, I remember she, she was really good friends. Her mom was real good friends uh, with my dad. They were really good friends. Uh, going back to, now this is, for those of you who are like, you've been in this area for a while. I'm going to mention a name. They're going to like go say like, wow, yeah, you've been in Cambridge a long time. Anybody that now? Chris? Gil Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, Google it. <laughs> but uh, they used to work in Gilchrist together and go lunch together. And but my point is, is that uh, she told me, yeah, um, that your grandmother took your father down, to, well, up to Pentecostal Tabernacle because First Holiness Church was 211 Columbia Street. Our church is 77 Pentecostal Tabernacle. And says to Bishop Miller, 
for whatever reason, my son just loves you, and my son, um, what well, I didn't use the word mentor back then, but my, my son just wants to be a part of your ministry. And so I am going to take my son, and I'm going to commit him into your care. I know this is a good church, solid ministry, and I'm going to trust God. And so I was playing that in my mind like, well, what if my father didn't come to Pentecostal Tabernacle? Well, maybe I'm pastoring First Holiness Church, which means, well, what happens to Pastor Lorraine? And I start to think of, well, is there a Pentecostal Tabernacle given what we've gone through? And my whole point is, is that can make you aware of the holy thing. At 16, God told me this church is going to be bothering with people and we only had about 40 or 50. If he'd have told me then at 16 that we would have two campuses, <laughs> but God somehow put that in my spirit and I held on. For whatever reason, I'm an I was a sophomore at Bentley. I'm like, what? He said, you're going to pastor the church. Now, I, was, I wasn't ready to pastor then. But at the age of 35, 36 rather, 17 years later, what was going on in the 17 years? God was dealing with my character. God was dealing with my character. Oh, I was excited when God was doing things, but then when conflict came up, and I'm going to do something in you, but you got to let me prepare you so that, so that when you finally become a pastor and a bishop, Hopefully, there'll be no scandals in your life because I would have dealt with the scandals before you get a platform. Woo! Turn to the person next to you and say, My friend, God is preparing you for the big stage, bitch. Some of you, God is dealing with you behind the curtain privately. And you keep kicking, I want to be on the stage now. And God says, okay. Final point, and then we'll pray. Everybody still with me? So at 19 years old, God calls me to, to be a pastor. And he puts this thing in my heart that you're going to be pastor. And I'm looking, even though we only had about 50 people, I, I could I could count 10 people who are ahead of me. So I'm like, well, because my mind, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go down to uh, Atlanta and be a BMW. Um, no, because Atlanta was, was really... Growing at the time, when you say, what's a BMW, black man, worthy car, Volvo, I, I mean, I was going to live the dream. And the Lord says, nope, you're staying here in Cambridge. Thanks, God. I mean, that, that was my attitude. So at 19, um, I was asked to teach a bunch of boys for a Sunday school and I 
was going to say no. The Sunday school superintendent asked me to teach Sunday school in front of this young lady I was checking out named uh, Carmen Selman. And so she says, oh, come on, Brian, teach. You can do it. I remember it was yesterday. And I said, yes, Carmen. I mean, yes, Lord. So in 19, I, which is now Harbor Point, it wasn't a gated community back then. Mm, mm, it was rough. It was so rough, let me tell you, one of my Sunday school students was 12 years old. Um, somebody was picking on him and he killed him. 12 years old. So I, w- I would drive, pick up those kids in Columbia Point, bring them back to Pentecostal Tabernacle, teach them Sunday school and of eight, nine, and ten-year-old boys, you can hold anybody's attention. And so now I'm 23, 23 years old. My final point will pray. And I meet this 14-year-old named Troy Ellaby. And Troy's in my Sunday school class maybe about a year. And then you know, like most kids, as you start getting more. And so Troy is gone and doing what most kids do. They leave the church, they leave all their principles, and gone. But somehow, for that one year that I planted the gospel in Troy's life, at 30 years old, I see Troy walk in the church. And he's no longer this 14-year-old kid. And I said, and he gave his life to the Lord. And I remember Troy saying, because of all the stuff that I went through, and he can share, you know, he has a lot of life, a lot of life. I try to remember at one point, what was the point with like not so chaotic? <laughs> and he said, I remember Sunday school and I went back to Pentecostal Tabernacle, not even thinking you'd still be there, but just let me go back to the place where I went that Sunday school. And he said, when I saw that you were still there, that's what made me give my life to the Lord. And now we fast forward 21 years. <laughs> and what's funny about all this, if you to some of you may not realize, but uh Elder Troy and Christine, they were in class class together, right? Yeah, grammar school together, right over here? Yeah, more school. So I imagine now they're looking at each other like, Wow I'm an elder in the church in the Cambridge Police Department. We used to be running from the police. (laughs) You have no idea what God has planned for you.